Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, the CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's show, we have a news and 2023 way too early World Cup predictions for you all. Hello to everyone joining us live. A quick reminder to download and follow us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to us on YouTube so you never miss out whenever we go live. If you have questions for us, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a question, and Lisa and I will answer it during a mailbag segment. Happy to be back with you early this morning. How are you doing today, Lisa? I'm good. I mean, we're going we're going earlier than usual, right? This yeah. is 9 a.m. Eastern, but um, if you're watching the Men's World Cup, you've been up since 2 a.m., 1 a.m. Central. Um, not me. Don't worry. I did sleep in at least a little bit this morning. I'll go back and watch the games because there's a lot happening. But late night, last night with the U.S. men um, finishing and then having to kind of help in soccer we trust and things like that. I mean, if you are a, a World Cup fan and you are watching the Men's World Cup right now, which you should be because it's fantastic football, but you're listening, you're looking for a podcast to get some news, get some updates, get some breakdowns, some analysis, you've got to go over to CBS Sports and Soccer We Trust. Jimmy Conrad, um, Charlie Davies, Keith Pierce, they are Great podcast, and they talk all about it. They're former U.S. men's national team players. They break down every single game. They're very critical of the U.S. men. They're also very optimistic about how this team can turn around and, and what they can do, especially as U.S. get ready to face England on Friday. It's crazy to think about. But, uh, yeah, give In Soccer We Trust a follow, download, subscribe. They're on YouTube, too. They are great. They've got high energy. Um, they're a little nuts sometimes, but I think that's what makes the show so great. I, I love watching and listening to them. But um, I've been just consuming all the World Cup content. Sandra, how are you, bud? Good morning. I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm with you. It's uh, it's match day three of the, uh, of the Men's World Cup, and it's – plastered everywhere and you know i'm ready to biggest day right like there's I'm, the most games today yeah four games compared to the uh slate of three games that took place yesterday um i'm excited to be on duty for um mexico versus poland so make sure you check out cbs sports for the live blog on that for those that are just listening as a pod she is rocking her mexico oh, yeah right now of course as she would be it's good to see that bud it feels uh yeah it's a family tradition gotta you know gotta root on mexico in the world cup um really really excited to to take a take a look at that uh it's 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 just a different level of energy right when you get into to, to world cup stuff so yeah shout out to uh 
in soccer we trust. I know folks are uh, probably going to key in for for them if they're looking for that, uh, you know, men's World Cup soccer content. Um, and we're just giving shout outs. So I also want to uh, shout out uh, Diaspora United. I think they do great work too. And uh, if folks are looking for uh, different outlets to, to go and support, that's a good one that they should go and support too. Uh, I think that we also have caught the World Cup bug because we are eight months out from the Women's 2023 World Cup in New Zealand and Australia. So we thought it would be really fun to come on here and maybe have some really, really, I mean, way too early predictions for the Women's World Cup. And we're going to have some fun with it. We're going to break it down into, you know, the, the number eight is the theme for the, for this. So we're, we're going to, we're going to get into that, but, but we wanted to keep everybody up to date on some, some news that has dropped before we started making some of these predictions and, you know, look, NWSL never sleeps, you know, why would we? So let's talk about some of the NWSL news that has dropped. Let's talk a little bit about the coaching hires because we have talked about that uh, in a couple episodes past where we said, listen, there's some vacancies here. Who's, who's going to slot in. We saw Houston dash and Gotham, you know, make, uh, making it have to make an announcement in the departure of uh, Juan Carlos Amaros, you know, going from Houston to, to Gotham, but there has been some new coaching hires announced in this league. Let's start with probably one of the biggest ones, Washington spirit, make the announcement that Mark Parsons is going to be their new head coach. For 2023 and beyond. And I got to say, Lisa, when this news dropped, I was a little bit surprised in the good way. It was like a pleasant surprise. It's like, you know, what is I was like, what is what are the spirit going to do for this coaching vacancy? Because I have sort of felt in this offseason that the spirit are this this franchise that have very slowly, quietly kind of making these moves to kind of bulk up their support staff, whether it's on the technical side or the coaching staff. And I had been already very impressed with what they've added, right? And then they make the announcement of Mark Parsons. So what were some of your uh, reactions when you saw this news drop, Lisa? Yeah, I think that the name Mark Parsons is obviously one that is very familiar in the NWSL world, in the women's soccer world. So um, it's a name that the NWSL only didn't have for one year this past year uh, because he was with Portland Thorns for, I think, five years between 16 and 2021. Before that, he actually started in the NWSL with Washington Spirit. So now he returns to Washington Spirit after just one year out of the NWSL when he went to coach uh, Netherlands women's national team. That didn't last very long. And he's now back. I think that it was... I think like it's a great move for Washington, right? Like Mark Parsons is a really good coach. He led Portland Thorns to a number of championships. Um, he knows what he's doing. He also understands the NWSL incredibly, incredibly well because he did spend so much time with Portland Thorns, even with Washington, just in the league. He's He's been there since 2013 for the entirety of it, except this past season. So I think in terms of what Washington is getting, they know exactly what they're getting. And that's something that's really certain. And that's really good because Washington needs a little bit of a revamp, right? They, they lost Kelly O'Hara. Um, they, they went through two coaches last year. They went through a lot of front office turmoil two years ago. They go from winning the NWSL championship in 2021 to finishing bottom of the table in 2022. So if there's anyone that can is up for the challenge, it's Mark Parsons. Now, in terms of like the personal side of it, I am a little bit shocked that he is back in the NWSL. I am. Yeah. I'm going to be honest and put that out here because you and I even talked about this months yeah. ago hey, when there sure. were a number of NWSL vacancies. This was off mic, you and I chatting about the league because it's not just our job, it's our lives. And we live, eat, breathe this league. And we talked about Mark Parsons and how he was with the NWSL for so long and he wanted to go home. He's, he's from England and he's from Europe. So he, to get back to the Netherlands and be coaching there was a chance for him to move his family. He has young children back to closer to home and back to where his family is. And the fact that his coaching tenure with the Netherlands did not last very long, um, was a little bit surprising, but 
after that, I was like, no, he's going to stay there. The whole point was to go back home, was to go back to Europe and be yeah. close to the family. So the fact that he is coming back to the States is a little bit surprising. Now, he is on the East Coast with Washington Spirit, which is a much shorter flight <laughs> to Europe yeah. than it is from Portland. But that was the biggest thing that surprised me. I thought he was making a move for his personal life and his personal family. Um, but hey, he likes the league. He likes the job. He wants a challenge in, in Washington. I think that's a good place for him to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I know when we did talk about Parsons possibly making a return that there, there were plenty of coaching vacancies that, uh, you know, he could probably interview for. Um, but we weren't too sure if that was a move that he would make back. Would that be something that, you know, uh, is viewed as taking a step back as, as opposed to, you know, having taken that leap to coaching a, a national team side in, in Netherlands. And unfortunately, you know, having a very short run in the 2022 Euros, the, the two mutually parting ways. And, you know, like I said, plenty of vacancies. I I, I, I do wonder how this, this round is going to go because it's a little bit of a reunion for, yeah. for these two parties. You know, we're talking about the Spare franchise in, in Parson and, and Parsons not unfamiliar with the DC area, you know, really got his start in terms of the women's soccer side of things, you know, being with the Washington Spirit Reserves, DC United Women, and was part of the spirit sides who were, you know, sort of taking those first steps in, in their inaugural seasons and then departed the, the club at 2015 to go take on a new opportunity with Portland Thorns. But during those later years, you know, making it to the postseason with the spirit. In, in 2015, 2014. So maybe a little bit of unfinished business for, for Parson and the spirit, you know? So I'm I'm eager to see what that looks like. I mean, I think we saw Parsons and what he can do with really young talent in terms of, you know, he was the coach that drafted Morgan Weaver, Sophia Smith, you know, and now he is going to return to NWSL and have players to work with like Ashley Sanchez or Trinity oh. Rodman, you know, what can this coach and, and his staff get out of these players? And I think you're looking at that immediately. If you're on the spirit ownership side of things, if you're Michelle Kang and you're looking at somebody to make sure they're going to come in and get the most out of this current core group of players, you want someone that I think has that uh, experience with it. You know, you already you know, you're looking at a, a short window when you're looking at someone maybe like Trinity Rodman, a player that you've invested time and money in and with a new contract coming off of her rookie year. And then here goes 2022. And they had a very, very tough season, did not even sniff the playoffs, um, you know, unfortunately, were. uh I think they make that new record for most draws, you know, they just were <laughs> unable to to break through and, and find and find the win. So I think. um I think this is gonna this is gonna be a move that ultimately yeah. pays off. I think, and, and in terms of of what Washington is doing this offseason to bulk up a little bit, we already talked about the announcement of Don Scott, the senior director of performance, medical, and innovation with Washington Spirit. Also, remember that Angela Salem, who retired yeah. last year and was coached uh, for four years at Portland under Mark Parsons, was also at Washington Spirit in 2013. Salem is the first assistant. So there's a lot of familiarity. I think that uh, when it, you look at a player like Angela Salem that is now retired as a coach, who better for her to learn from than someone like Mar Mark Parsons, right, as coming back in and having that familiarity. So Washington's bulking up on, on the front office side, on the technical staff side as to how they can turn around what was a pretty bad 2022 season and get it better. And they, these are the steps in the right direction, right? Like we talked about that, like losing O'Hara, maybe not the best thing for them, but this is other ways that they can bulk up. You know, uh, steps in the right direction. We've got to talk about Orlando Pride as well. They made the announcement that they are going to promote Seb Hines to head coach. Hines took over Orlando Pride in an interim role, kind of mid 2022 regular season. June. Yeah, that was June, early June. And so with his time, listen, when you look at the numbers, the record isn't all that impressive, but they did go on a seven game undefeated streak for a big bulk of the time that he took over this pride team. And sounds like in the off season, they had conversations about moving him from interim to head coach. And then they went ahead and made it official. I think this is a good move. I, th I think why not go with it with the coach that sort of 
started to turn things around a little bit for this Orlando Pride team, even in the sense where this team was just found themselves on, on that little bit of a streak and run. And they seem to have responded well to the messaging that he was giving this team during that time. So I'm, I'm eager to see what Heinz can do in a full season with this Orlando yeah. Pride side. Honestly, me too. I mean, as you just talked about, Heinz stepped in uh, June, early June, and then they the team went on a seven-game unbeaten run. But during um, when Heinz took over as that interim head coach, Orlando saw an increase in average of shots, shots on target, passing accuracy. Um, There's three clean sheets throughout his last 15 matches of 2022 that he was in, in charge of that team for. And as uh, a broadcaster of the league, we get to talk to the coaches in a pretty candid conversational way. And we asked him towards the end of the season, like, hey, what are your plans for next year? Do you like this? Do you want to keep doing? Because there are definitely coaches that are like, no, this was fine for a couple months, but no. And Seb Hines was like, no, I love this. I love these players. I love being a head coach in this capacity in the NWSL versus the MLS. He he spent time with Orlando City. He was a defender in the EPL uh, with the Premier League. So he's played everywhere. And the fact that he spoke so highly of not only his players, but the NWSL as a whole, um, as, as the league and the competition of it. So I think that that was a really positive thing to hear is that he was like, if they want me, I want to be here. I want to help this team. I want to bring them to the playoffs and, and continue to climb and grind. So, I mean, huge congrats to Seb Hines. That's two coaching vacancies down, one more to go with, with Houston Dash. That seems to be the end of it. But, um, yeah, I think a great gab, grab for Orlando to, to keep Hines in place. And it's a multi-year deal, multi-contract to lead Orlando Pride. We'll see. We'll have to keep an eye on the, the remainder of the offseason moves for both of those teams. We'll have to keep an eye on Houston Dash and how they're going to fill their head coaching position. We also have news of a fine NWSL announcing that Gotham FC has been fined for announcing the signing of a player prior to the full execution of players agreement. Kelly O'Hara announced with men and blazers that she will be making the leap from Washington spirit to Gotham FC. And we talked a little bit about the announcement of the sign. And we thought it was cool. We were like, Hey, this is cool. This is exciting. Love to see it. But that's why you have rules and regulations in place. And unfortunately there is a fine that has been issued. We talked a little bit about that, that announcement and within it, it, you know, was we, we talked about how Gotham initially announced it as well. It was just sort of a welcoming to to Kelly O'Hara. Not a lot of details of of the the contract and the terms and, and the timeline of it. Um, just an official statement. So unfortunately, because of all that, uh, they were issued a a fine. So perhaps maybe congratulations to Gotham <laughs> on earning the, the first fine in well, you know, know in the, the off season. Hey. <laughs> You got to love men in blazers too. They tweeted out and they were like, it was all our fault. Gotham like are bad. I mean, I, I don't care about the fine and because this was such a cool announcement. It was the way to do it, but it was, it was the fine for announcing the signing of a player to the full execution um, before the player's agreement and before everything happened, which is the league communications manual. There are all those rules in there. Plenty of fines that come out, but Hey, this was so cool. Definitely worth it. Maybe men in blazers will, will chip in or Budweiser who sponsored it. There was a lot happening on there. Um, Yeah. I mean, it happens. Congrats to Gotham for getting the first fine. <laughs> Look, congrats to, to Kelly O'Hare for wanting to, to make it an event and make it exciting. Uh, that was my initial reaction. I was like, what if what if the thing that happened was really cool? Like, yeah. can you put that clause in there? Can't there be a bylaw in there that says, hey, actually. But, but it was good if, timing, right? Like if it's determined that it is actually really, really cool. <laughs> you have to get over X amount of likes on your Twitter post or your Instagram post and then the fine doesn't count anymore. Oh my, oh my goodness. Listen, listen, we, we love to, to have fun with it. Uh, we'll see what else comes out of Gotham. I can't imagine that that's going to be their only signing uh, this off season, but the league also made the announcement of a schedule framework for 2023. That's right. You did not hear incorrectly. It is November of 2022 and we already know when 
the regular season is going to kick off. Let's take a look at some of the key dates coming up in this offseason here. We've talked about it a little bit. The NWSL draft is coming up on January the 12th. Uh, within the announcement of the framework, there was a, a a note that preseason can start, I think, as late or as early as January 23rd, but no later than February 6th. And March 25th is the key date as the regular season kickoff. It's going to be a balanced schedule. We've got 22 weeks. We are going to bid farewell to midweek regular season games. And the NWSL Championship is going to take place on November 11th. So start booking out and mapping out your calendars we have we have the dates we have, we the-, have the dates it is fantastic to see between that six eight week preseason and then sandra talked about how the the regular season is kicking off march 25th and for those whose ears perked up at that where's the challenge cup uh the challenge cup is not happening as a preseason tournament anymore Woo, let's give it up for that. I am so excited about that. Challenge Cup is now going to be a six-week tournament spanning from April to September. Uh, It's going to have the three groups of four teams playing in the double round-robin matches for a total of six contests. Following group play, the four teams uh, will square off in semifinal matches. That is happening September 6th. That's a Wednesday. And the Challenge Cup final will be on Saturday, September 6th. Ninth, so it's um in the middle of the season it's most likely happening wednesdays during the week that is not written out yet that's more of me reading between the lines of this press relief because the the regular season is a balanced 22 game schedule played over 22 weeks in the announcement from the league it said that this was going to eliminate midweek matches to minimize schedule congestion for player safety and optimal performance um It's formatting the number of regular season games in the 22 weeks. So that makes sense that then the Challenge Cup will be played midweek matches from April to September with the final on Saturday, September 9th. I frankly love this. I love that the Challenge Cup is being played almost like a kind of like a Champions League, like an inner season Mm -hmm. tournament. That's exactly how it should be. It won't fatigue the players so early in the season. Even when you look back to last year, some teams got – kind of screwed over with their schedule that they were yep. handed and and to have a preseason and then an entire tournament before the regular season starts is just bonkers to me <laughs> truly bonkers so now with between the challenge cup and the regular season each team will play 28 matches uh 14 games at home and 14 on the road it is completely balanced and that's pretty cool to see it's it's 14 games it's longer than last year because it's Challenge Cup and regular season mixed together, but I I like this format so much better of Challenge Cup midweek for half of the season. Yeah, I do too. I think, you know, listening to players sort of talk about Challenge Cup and and what it was – you know, it's a it's beginnings as as sort of a placeholder in 2020 in light of a regular season and what it transformed to, and it kind of became a bit of that preseasony tournament. But now there are different investors and partnerships within Challenge Cup, um, so it's cool to see that it's kind of taken a, a it's evolving once more. Like right, we've seen this evolution of Challenge Cup since its beginnings in in 2020, and now for 2023, it's going to look a little bit different again by running concurrently with the NW. WSL regular season. Uh, yeah, the, no no regular season midweek games, but that doesn't mean there's not going to be midweek games for the Challenge Cup. So we'll we'll see. We'll have to definitely see what that looks like uh, for players still having to probably navigate some midweek matches. But uh, yeah, I love I love the pivot. Uh, the 2023 UKG NWSL Championship final will also be the first ever women's professional soccer tournament to achieve pay equity with its u.s peers in the men's game and it's the result of the historic partnership between nwsl and ukg and uh we we heard a little bit about this from just based off of last year's challenge cup you know i I do remember when we spoke with carson pickett uh, after North Carolina Courage won the challenge cup that there was a bonus that came into play in in 
post-game comments, she said, hey, a $10,000 bonus is, is life-changing for, for some players. So to, to see that even that is going to continue to evolve in terms of the, the bonus structure of possibly winning the Challenge Cup is it makes it even more lucrative, I think, than it already you know was starting to, to, to be back in, in 2022. So I'm excited to see that the format shift. I, I love the idea of making it look a little bit more like what we see across the globe, like if, if, whether that's an FA Cup or, or otherwise. Oh, I thought I froze. Am I still here, guys? Yes, you are still here. All good. Perfect. Perfect. Anyway. With the uh, with the sponsorship of UKG coming in, not only are the players then getting bonuses for this, but I'm pretty sure the bonuses double this year for 2023, according to the announcement that came out uh, from the league and the UKG partnership a few months ago, that whatever was given in, in 2022, the total pool will more than double again in 2023. So not only are these players playing and competing for a, a cup, another championship in within the year, but also money, cash money. And that's, that's huge for these players. The cash money cup is coming in April. It's going to start in April and run through September. We're going to also keep an eye on the regular season. I'm sure there will more, there's going to be more key dates that drop, for NWSL, I mean, the official schedule will eventually drop. Listen, if we got the framework this early, let's keep our fingers crossed. I know. This is the schedule. We've never gotten it this early. Anyway. Well, let's, let's keep the fingers crossed. It's not jinx it. Let's keep the man. Let's let's manifest it that the, that the schedule will also drop in a, in a reasonable time as well. Let's, uh, let's take a little bit of a break because we've got to talk about some World Cup predictions. We're going to keep talking about our top eight previews and predictions, top eight rankings eight months out from the World Cup. Let's talk about it right after a quick break. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's chat about the 2023 Women's World Cup. We want to hit you all with some way too early World Cup predictions. The World Cup is going to be hosted by Australia and New Zealand, kicking off on July 20th. We are officially eight months out. It's going to be the first year of an expanded format. There's going to be 32 nations competing in this iteration of the World Cup. There's currently 28 teams that have locked their place in the World Cup, but there are still three spots open for 10 teams who are competing for the final three spots in an intercontinental tournament that's going to take place in February. So either, you know, uh, a number of teams are, are still slotting into various groups. We know that for Group E with the United States Women's National Team, it can either be a Thailand, a Cameroon, or a Portugal Uh so we're very, very excited to see the full picture come into play for that group. But there's a lot of fun things to take a look at as we're eight months out from this World Cup. Yeah, I mean, eight months is not a lot of time at all, especially because we're right in the midst of the Men's World Cup at this point. So it's really exciting to kind of preview that. And that's why I wanted to do that. So we're sticking with the theme of eights here throughout this next segment, talking about the World Cup, because eight months out, July 20th through August 20th will be the World Cup. Um, 32 nations competing in it. Let's get into it. Of these 32 nations competing, Sandra, let's talk about the top eight nations. So let's, let's yeah. hit that, because top eight nations in the Women's World Cup of the 32, uh, 28 teams for certain, three spots still open, as you talked about. But between um, some of these teams, there's a number of teams that are making their 
debut, their World Cup debut, Morocco, the Philippines, Ireland, Republic of Ireland, Vietnam, Zambia. These are teams that we will see for the very first time. But there's also a lot of heavy hitters, some powerhouse teams, uh, top nations in the World Cup that we're going to see. Absolutely. Let's go through the top eight, right, for the official FIFA World Cup rankings of these uh, of these programs. In first place is the United States. Number two is Sweden. Number three is Germany. Number four is England. Number five is France. At six, it's Spain. Seven is Canada. And number eight is the Netherlands, who will be joining the United States Women's National Team in their World Cup group. Now, when we're looking at the rankings of these top eight nations right now, we got to talk a little bit about current form, right? <laughs> because when it comes to the to, to the to the official FIFA rankings, you know, it's a very complex series of, of equations that come into play. It's number of games, it's total points, it's coefficients, it's it's all of it, right? Just too much math. There's a too too much. There's there is such a thing as too much math sometimes, and this is probably one of those things. But in terms of of this this current eight that we just rattled off, in terms of all the soccer that we've watched in this year alone, not counting all the stuff from from years prior, but even in just this year alone, we're looking at this current ranking, and we're looking at maybe some of of the final months to close out 2022. Do you see any of these teams shifting just in terms of, uh, of recent form? Would you rank one higher than the other? I know for you and I watching um, soccer, they are taking a look at a team like England and their current form. They just feel like they're the top team in best form right now. Um, and based off of that, I think maybe we would have them sit somewhere at number at number one. Yeah, I think that England is definitely a team that you have to to look at um, at this point because they they went on a bit of a run during the Euros, ended up winning the Euros, but they beat Sweden for nothing in the semifinal of the Euro tournament. And I think that's something that you kind of have to to circle and put your eye on because the Euros is one of the top tournaments in the world because it it, it has so many top level teams in it like England. Germany, Spain, Sweden, and the fact that England was able to come out on top of that, we cannot sleep on them. Also, you look at very recent form. The United States just went to Wembley and played against England, and we all remember how that match happened. The United States did not win. England won, and that was a game that England played incredibly well against the United States. And because of that, I think that that bolsters up England's standings at this point. And and with the FIFA rankings, no, they're not number one by any means, but in what they're, they're number four in the FIFA rankings, but I think that they're just that much higher. And when you look at it from the lens of the world cup of the United States and who they're going to play against, I think that the competition and the mentality and the, the competition between nations in general that bolsters them up a little bit too. So I would put England a little bit higher on this list than FIFA has them ranked. But uh, to be honest, I'm not doing any math in my in my calculations. <laughs> and, and honestly, when you look at this, like I, I also think that Canada should be in these top teams. This is a, a nation that I know we're talking about recent form, but they are gold Olympic gold medalists from the Tokyo 2020 Olympics that happened in 2021. You look at their most recent form in the CONCACAF championship that happened this summer in Mexico. They made it to the final. They competed against the United States. Then they went on a slew of friendlies where they ended up winning six of them or five of them um, back to back to back. They played against Brazil, uh, split those two matches, 2-1, 1-1, lost one against Brazil. But the oh, Canada was playing heavy competition. I think that Canada deserves to be higher on this list as well. I think it's just, I think it's interesting. So just look at the official rankings and then sort of look at current form. And I just think that even if we were to take a widen that and look to the top 10, but if you're really narrowing it down to, to the top eight, just the level of play right now, globally, it's just, we, especially to close out the calendar year when we saw that final international window not just for the united states but teams all over the world it just feels like again those margins for error are error are so narrow 
when yeah. we're talking about these specific teams, as some of them might go head to head in knockout round stages of the World Cup that some of those score lines might be a little slimmer than what we might see in those earlier group stage matches. And it really, really can be anyone's game. It could be anyone's day. I mean, we saw Australia, you know, thump Sweden 4-0. We saw England continue their run of form by beating Japan, who was a very, very good tactical team, um, and get, give that team a bit of a, of a blowout as, as well. So just looking at this top eight, even if it's whether you're looking at the official rankings uh, on FIFA or if you're, you know, ranking them yourself personally, um, I just think that, and depending on the day, depending on, on, on the tournament, we could see some real, real good soccer. I don't, I don't even want to call them upsets because I think it's phase in this era of football that there's not going to be there. The, there's not going to be any shame in, in in a number one losing to a number four or a number four dropping to a number eight. It's just these teams and the way that they're competing against each other are still finding ways to surprise their opposition and sort of, you know, uh, really surprise the audiences who are tuning in at times to take a look at, at some of these games. If you have to look at at, at the top eight that I, that I ran down on, on the FIFA rankings, if you had to restructure maybe, let's just do like a top four. Who would be your top four right now? Oh, I like this restructuring. Is this only going from the top eight that FIFA has out there right now? You know what? I don't want to limit you, buddy. So wow, you. I like that we just make up our own rules here on I love it. for the games we play. I so top eight right now, US, Sweden, Germany, England, France, Spain, Canada, Netherlands. Um, I, I would put England much higher on that list. I would also put Australia higher on that list as well. So I'm going top four you wanted me to give you. Yeah. Um, I'll give you England. I will give you Germany. Um, Australia and the United States. Wow. Nice. You believe in Matilda's. I I do. I do. Especially, I mean, I'm, I'm also looking at it in the, the lens of the world cup and they're hosting this world cup. Yeah. I think that that really bolsters up a team. It does. It it really does. I mean, you look at England and and the euros and then playing at Wembley. I mean, there's Australia went and beat Sweden for nothing. So I, I think that Sweden being number two on the FIFA rankings is a little too high. Okay. Listen, I don't. they 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 had a they've had some interesting results in 2022. If you're Sweden, you, we talked a lot about like, you know, national teams going out there and having some of their fixtures over the course of 2022, and some of a lot of what is taking place in 22 is is some of the 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 groundwork for the buildup to the world cup. And I wouldn't doubt that Sweden is one of these teams that is maybe looking at some of their past results saying, Hey, what can we tune up here? Here's some things that we learned and let's try to, to capitalize and fix those things. But I hear you. I, I think I want to hear your top four. I want to hear your top four. I don't disagree with a lot of what you have already in place. Um, I'm, I'm with you in terms of England, number one and Germany, number two, I would, put in based on form USA maybe bump them down to three if I had to go and give that four top four spot I don't know if I'm going with Australia um there's just some things that I think again talking about things that teams need to tune up I, I always look at Australia as this team but what is there what what type of defense are we going to get from uh, oh, yeah. Australia depending on, on the on the game or, or the day or, or the opposition that they're facing so I don't know if I'm going with Australia as number four, I think maybe I would keep either Spain or or even Canada in that top four. You know what? Let's just let's conquer calf supremacy. I'm going to go with Canada. <laughs> I'm going to go with Canada. Let's keep Canada at number four for me. I yeah. like what they've been uh, what they've been doing in 2022. Um, but that's what I would go. I would I would be I would be scared to to face any of those teams: England, USA, Germany, or, or Canada. I oh, think going into World Cup. Yeah, I think Canada is a team that, that people cannot sleep on. They cannot sleep on Canada. Um, they're one of my top nations that I put at the top eight for me because I think that they are up there. They're going to compete in this World Cup. They're going to come out and show um, teams a little bit something different than than 
maybe people forgot about because this in September they played Australia, then in October they played Argentina, Morocco, and then they just played Brazil. So Canada's playing really tough competition in their friendlies leading up to this. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh, let's have a little bit more fun here with the eight months out to the World Cup. Let's talk about what we consider our top eight essential players for the United States women's national team at this moment as eight months out to the World Cup. We know that there's going to be a bigger roster for this World Cup. FIFA approved 26 player roster sizes for the men's team. The women's are still currently 23, but I would anticipate that that is going to increase uh, in, in this upcoming World Cup. So let's take a look at this moment in time. We've heard it all. We've covered it all in 2022, Lisa. We know that there are multiple players who are uh, currently rehabbing from injury. We know that there are players you know, who are still working on their minutes as they were out on maternity leave. But we got to see a lot of minutes from a lot of good players on the United States women's national team. And as of right now, this moment, we want to share what we think at A3 are the most essential players at this point in time in their preparation for the World Cup. Uh, These are in no particular order, I'm going to say. I'm going to put that out there. No particular order, but top eight players, when you have 11 on the field, it's really interesting to kind of break that down and say, who who do we must have on that roster? Even the January camp roster, who are players we must have on that roster? Uh, I think Rose Lavelle, Mallory Pugh, Sophia Smith, Alyssa Nair, Naomi Gurma, Lindsay Horan, Alex Morgan, and I'm going double goalkeeper, A.D. Franch. These are the players that Black Wendonofsky must have on his roster. We love defense. We love goalkeepers here. I'm with you. Listen, we were putting together, we were planning the content for this episode, and we were like, who, who's the eight? Who do we think are the eight players that absolutely are essential to this team right now? Players that we know, that the players who already know they're going to – be a part of that January camp in New Zealand. The eight and players that are healthy at this point, right? And like players and players who are healthy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge, huge no. And I, I'm with you when we were going through this and we were going back and forth. We're like, well, we still have, we only have seven players. Who's going to be that eighth. We said, Hey, we're going with, with double goalkeeper here uh, to make sure that there's uh, an extra goalkeeper in, in these upcoming camps. And we had to go with French just based on, based on form, based on what we saw in the regular season in NWSL, a top uh, goalkeeper of the year finalist, went all the way to the NWSL championship final with Kansas City Current. And this was the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. AD French was the goalkeeper that had to slot in to a listener's place when they lost a listener during their Olympic run for the bronze medal. So, I don't know how you don't look at the current work, the current form of somebody like French, and then take a look at her experience with this women's national team program and not consider her an essential uh, player moving forward into 2023. And I love that we've got a good mix of, uh, you know, young players on here too, because I think we've seen, enough right i think we've seen more than enough out of somebody like a naomi germa um and to sort of see how this player had her year in 2022 drafted number one overall doing what she did with san diego wave fc really making her return to the national team senior program kind of mid-year And has not looked back, nor has the coaching staff. She has been a part of every single camp after getting called in mid-year. She's the starting center back moving forward, like done and dusted. That's uh, like, there's no need to argue this or debate this. It's, it's Germa. That's where she's got to be. But I I agree. I mean, I think we did a nice mix of players that are veterans. You look at Rose Lavelle. She's been in this position before. Alyssa Nair, Lindsay Horan, AD Franch even, and, and Alex Morgan. This is a player that, you and I both, we mentioned her. We were like, yeah, she's, she is essential for this team. Whether she gets the start as the nine and she ends up scoring goals, or if she transitions into that player that maybe takes on more of that veteran role and, and takes on more of that leadership role and lets 
some of the younger ones go and get those 60, 75, 80 minutes in the match. And then Morgan is the one that rotates on and can finish out and close out a game. I mean, we'll see how her role develops over the next year. I think Morgan is a player that people should be keeping an eye on as to how she develops because she had a tremendous NWSL season, golden boot winner. Black Wendonofsky has been rewarding her for that. But moving forward, how does she take that role of being someone who has been on the team since she was really young so she can teach those younger players in Smith, Gurma, about how to kind of take on this World Cup and, and playing in different countries and doing that. So I, I like that we added Morgan to this as well because she's essential in my mind. I mean, yeah, these are the players. We can't go without them. Yeah, 100%. I'm with you. We'll, I'm, we're likely to see him in those January camps that are going to take place in New Zealand. And that is going to be the first nation that the United States women's national team play a pair of friendlies against in their preparations for the World Cup. So we thought, listen, there's a limited amount of international windows that are left for this United States women's national team to go ahead and get some of these last minute fixtures in to sort of help them in their march back to Australia and New Zealand. So we thought what well, it could be a little bit fun to maybe pick eight nations that we would like to see the United States women's national team play against, you know? So we know that automatically New Zealand is going to be one of those programs. They're going to New Zealand for a January camp. That's going to include two friendlies, but that means there's going to still be windows from February to even all the way into July that the United States can participate and hold friendlies. Vlako Andonofsky in a previous uh, pregame press conference, I believe it was either ahead of the European friendlies or these Germany friendlies said, Hey, that they are trying to target at least nine matches leading up to Australia and New Zealand in 2023. And we know, like I said, we know two of those matches are going to be New Zealand, but if they're going to possibly play up to nine games leading up to the world cup, we know that she believes Cup will also be a handful of those games. So who are the teams mm -hmm. that we would like to see this United States national team go up against? We threw together a fun little list. We're curious if you all will agree, but this is what these are the teams that Lisa and I would like to see the United States go up against if possible. We'd like to see a women's version of Wales versus United States. We listen, we got World Cup on Redemption. the <laughs> we we just saw the United States uh, and Wales go head to head in the men's World Cup. We said, hey, what if we saw uh, United States and Wales on, on the women's side of things? We'd also like to see Australia because we know that those games end up in wild score lines. We'd like to see them go up against teams like Japan and Brazil. We'd also like to see them play Mexico again. Uh, we thought that they had a very good CONCACAF W championship group game against Mexico. We'd like to see that one more time. And we'd also like to see Nigeria face United States one more time. I thought that those were some narrow scorelines that they had against Nigeria that maybe we could see a little bit different if they go up against a Nigeria side that doesn't have an injury bug. Because when they went up against Nigeria during their September window, I believe it was, they had a Nigerian side that had to nurse a ton of injuries. There were some big names that were missing from that squad. And this is still a team that uh, broke through on a goal against the United States and we'd also like to see to close things out we'd like to see Austria uh you know go head to head against United States it's the holidays we thought why not put together a little bit of a wish list I love a good wish list I mean I think New Zealand to start things off for the United States we already know they're going to play them in January heading to New Zealand for the very first time ever right? Like that is the first time the United States will be in New Zealand for competition. And they're playing those matches at the two stadiums that the World Cup group stage will be played at for the United States. So that's like something that is off to a great start. We also, we gave a shout to Australia in this list as well. Although the United States just played them last November in Australia, that was the first time that the U.S. had been to Australia in like 21 years or something. Um, 
you're also going back there for the World Cup. They, The United States ended up winning one of those matches 3-0. The other one was a 1-1 draw against Australia. So I think that competition would be good to see again. Um, I, I, we, When we were making these lists, we were both kind of like putting out names there and, and the other one would agree or we'd be like, no, let's pick a different one. I think Japan was one that off off the bat, I was like, I want to play against a Japanese side because the style of football is just that much different. And and that's what the United States is going to face in the World Cup. They're going to face competition that is unlike anything they've seen in CONCACAF, unlike anything they see in the friendlies that they traditionally play, whether it's against Colombia or even Nigeria. So I want to see them go against a Japanese side during in preparation for the World Cup because the, there's something so silky smooth about how the Japanese play. And right now, how the United States is playing, which is pretty rushed, uh, pretty transitional, pretty quick. I want to see how they can combat that against a Japanese style of play. Um, I know you gave Mexico a shout, Sandra. I agree with that one. I thought, hey, they're not in the World Cup, but this is just a competition competitive team this is just a competitive match that i like um i'm gonna give a shout out to some people in our chat they're they're shouting sweden and i'm gonna defend myself as to why i didn't put sweden on this list because sweden is a team that gets in the united states head and for the first time they are not in our group heading into the world cup so we don't even have to worry about facing them until much later in the world cup once they're a little bit more tired once they face some other teams once they've had some goal scores against them i think that we let that sit <laughs> we just <laughs> wait to play sweden i mean yeah you want a full break you want I a clean break, from I want a clean break. I th- honestly at this point i think the united states needs to get their confidence up as well all right right they they do they've got to score a lot of goals they've got to get into this mojo they've got to They've got to get a little bit of an understanding of exactly how they're going to play, how they're going to be that team, um, how they're going to connect their passes and get goals. So, yeah, I mean, if they play Sweden, don't worry, I'll be here previewing, recapping it. So excited (laughs) about it. But I did not put it on my wish list because I don't need that right now. I don't need that stress right now. We'll wait till next year if we get it. All right. I'm with you. I hear you on that. Uh, Make sure you let us know who's on your wish list. Who would you like to see the United States women's national team get a game in against during their buildup to the World Cup? That's all we've got for you today. Thank you so much for listening to Attacking Third. Download, follow, and listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. You can watch us too. Subscribe to us on YouTube to get alerts for whenever we go live at youtube.com slash attacking third. And a reminder that if you have questions for us, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a question. And Lisa and I will answer it during a mailbag segment. We'll be back with so much more for Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman. This was Attacking Third. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.